Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to it like Dan Red Wings. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Thursday, March 18th, 2021. And today we've got a very special guest in Tony Ferrari, part two of our draft preview interview. Uh, finish up talking about Ken Johnson, start moving to uh, Luke Hughes, some of the Swedish guys who are going to be available. We let him do a victory lap on Moritz Sider. Uh, it's a great time, but let's welcome in the fellas to introduce. <clears throat> Sorry, cut that. I actually, I'll cut that. I'm posting it. So we've got that coming up. But first, we have a great show announcement. We got to welcome in the boys for that. I am Detroit sports editor Nolan Bianchi. With me, as always, is longtime Red Wings fan and a kidney stone survivor, Ethan Smith. Ethan, what's going on? How's it going? Not much. Living life. Wow. You really got to start getting more creative with those. Scotty Bentley from the Bentley Show. What's going on, man? How's it going? I'm I'm fired up currently. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm great. Fired up currently. Now, for what purpose, Scott? For what purpose? Do you mind we're, filling uh, me in? Yeah, we're we're coming off the heels of a of a pretty sweet interview that we literally just finished thirty seconds ago. So, um, yeah, I'm still pretty pretty like surreal moment still happening in my head currently. And that interview is with none other than uh, Gary Thorne. I wish I knew if what Gary was short for. I was going to say Garrett Thorne. Uh, but, yeah, it's with Gary Thorne, ESPN announcer Gary from back Thorne. in the day. Just Garrett. an absolute legend. And it was, honestly, I could not have expected that interview to go any better. It's going to come out on Monday. It you're going to want to be ready well, for man. it. You're going to be, so well. if you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings, you're going to be punched in the face like a, like a heavyweight fight in the last round with promotion for the episode. Cause it was just, it was an absolute blast. It was, it went so well. Like he is, he is awesome. Obviously that's what made the interview as well as it obviously, as well as it went, but that it went, it went so well. And he is such a cool guy. Yeah. His first name is actually just Gary as well. Oh, really? Look yeah, at that. Cool. Gary's just, Gary he, short for Gary. He's just an interesting man. He reminds me a lot of like Keith gave when you're like, oh, he's interesting for this purpose. And then he explains why, you know, how he got there. And you're like, oh, wow, he's extra interesting for that reason. And then and then Keith gave is like, but and then also I wasn't I spoke Russian because I was an NSA agent at the Berlin Wall for 10 years. And like just like <laughs> crazy things like that. Like that's very much the Gary Thorne story. He was in he was trying to he went to law school. He was practicing law in Maine. Uh, just kind of got his start randomly with the University of Maine hockey team, just something he liked to do. And the next thing you know, he's the voice of every major Red Wings moment in the late 90s and early 2000s, as well as a handful of other incredible hockey memories out there. Unreal, man. Unreal. Like, I'm speechless right now. Having, like, that the trippy, like, it's trippy. Like, having a conversation yes. Yes. with, like, the guy that you, the voice that you associate, like, play-by-play hockey with and baseball is, is like, that's wild, man. That was wild. Now, I'm not, list stuff right there. I'm not trying to talk any shit, but I, I did listen to him on the Cam and Strick podcast right before we recorded. I don't think he had anywhere near the amount of fun that he had on our podcast. Yeah, I'll, uh, that we, 
yeah, we set him up for success. He, we really he did. Had a great I'm, time. I'm his he, new he agent. He was trying to recruit. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to recruit Nolan. We asked him about bowling. Like it was just all around. I think we uh, we killed. Oh him. yeah, the the Pete Weber. Who do you think you are? I am. That was the question we let off with. So it was a great interview. You guys are gonna love it. I'm super excited. I'll probably tell you guys a little bit more about it tomorrow, just because I can't help myself. Uh, but other than that, boys, I think we got an interview with Tony Ferrari to get to. Yeah, sounds good to me. Fender off gives him the business. Michigan just got really lucky with a loaded freshman class. Like they've got so much talent on that team this year. And I, I'd expect most of those guys to be back with Michigan next year. So they're going to be a fun, fun team to watch next year. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they weren't challenging for the national title next year. Well, part of that too, is that they actually got a little bit fortunate with the, with the COVID situation, uh, getting veneers once the Ivy yeah. league uh, shut down. I was, uh, yeah. I talked to, to Chris Mayad. I went to, you know, going on one of their press conferences. It was like a Monday morning and I was expecting Mel Pearson to be in there. And it was uh, Chris Mayotte who recruited Beniers for like three, four years at Providence. And he told me the story of like the day that Maddie Beniers called him and told him he was transferring and he like made him think that he was going to Boston college and his heart sank and he got all fired up. It was pretty cool. Just, just a, a fascinating thing like that. Yoast is I've called it many times a hockey church it's not a hockey rink. Um, and when you go inside, like from the inside and out, and it was built for the arrival of these guys. Uh, and it, it's, it's fascinating to me that, that nobody's in there. To see it. I do want to talk about Ken Johnson. He is uh, a bit of a showstopper, a little bit undersized. Will his ability translate? I think that's a big question right now, but how do you kind of see that playing out? It's an interesting thing with him because the talent level's there. He he's ridiculously skilled. He's ridiculously talented with the puck on his stick and some of the, the passes he's able to make and some of the just his ability to kind of work himself into space at times is really, really special. The concern is like he doesn't play with a lot of pace. And it, it's not that he's necessarily a slow player, but he doesn't he, he plays a more methodical game. It, it's you see the highlights where he's de- dashing and diving and in kind of cutting into the middle and stuff like that. But that's not his typical game. Surprisingly, his, his game's more methodical. He likes to kind of plan out the play, make these tactical passes in his skill levels, unreal. So he's able to kind of deke a guy, make a quick pass or or receive a pass and then make a quick deke. And at the NCAA level, you're going to be able to do that. And in, you see that with a lot of guys, but there is some concern with whether his, his skill level will translate. And I, I think you're looking at a guy who, who could be a, I, a lot of people like to compare him to Elias Pedersen or Mitch Marner in, in, I, I think those are very lofty comparisons <laughs> uh, stylistically, maybe, but um, he needs to kind of pick up his pace. He, he's a bit of a slower skater as well, which doesn't help him. But I, I think there's definitely a player here. But if a team's looking to draft him one, two, or three, and they want him to come right into the NHL, he's going to have a rough go of it. Because even like you look at Jack Hughes last year, who probably has a similar build to, to what uh, Kent Johnson has this year. And when Jack came into the NHL, there was clear flaws in the fact that he wasn't strong enough. He mm-hmm. he had some he had more speed than Kent Johnson has. He had he had more skill than Kent Johnson has, and he had a hell of a time in the nhl last year so yeah i think ken johnson's a guy that you look at and you're like all right we're leaving him at michigan for two more years probably mm-hmm. I-, I wouldn't even be shocked if he ends up playing three more years at michigan and then signs at the last few games of the season kind of after that third year when he's kind of up for his deal right so it's going to be an interesting thing with him because i think you're going to need a ton of patience but if if i mean if you're willing to be patient this kid could pay off and 
like I said, that top 10 kind of that we have on our board, they could all realistically go number one and there's reasons for all of them. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if a team is patient and Ken Johnson becomes the best player in this draft class. All right, guys, got to jump in here to talk to you real quick about Bill Barr. Now, if you've been following along with the matchups at BillBar.com, then you know that we've got one heck of a tournament going on here. Uh, and the next matchup that we have got today for the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now uh, is going to be, it looks like peanut butter brownie versus coconut almond and then salty caramel versus cookie dough chunk. Now, this is... This is a this is this is a tough region. I'm not gonna lie to you, folks. Peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, both on a level of its own, as well as salted caramel and cookie dough chunk. There's not, something about these uh, all four of those flavors that like just you got to be in the mood for specifically that. Nothing else will fit that craving. Luckily for you, you can buy. You know, when you get your first box, you can like mix and match. It's pretty sweet, so you can you can try them all. But for this, uh, for the purposes of this competition, it truly is a shame. Because one of them is, is unfortunately going to have to go. The good news is, like I said, no matter which bar you get, they're all going to be low calorie. They're all going to be low sugar. They're all going to be high protein. They're all going to be high fiber. And they're all going to have an amazing taste to them and uh, be covered in 100% chocolate. So go to BuiltBar.com right now or go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter and uh, get the lowdown on some of the matchups. And when you go to BuiltBar.com right now, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-15, to get 15% off of your next order, that's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order and at BuiltBar.com. And check back today to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Also got to talk to you guys about Bet Online. It's the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Now listen, guys, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV Real-time updated odds on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And, best of all, it is free to sign up. And it's not just free. That, that, that's not even the best part. I, I lied to you guys. Now, here's the real best part. It's not only free, but when you sign up today, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It is literally free money just for signing up. They will match it up to 50% uh, on your welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, promo code LOCKEDON, to get 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And before we head back to the interview with Tony Ferrari, got to tell you guys about Locked On Bets. Now listen, betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. So follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> what has to happen for Jesper Wallstead to go number one? Oh, the NHL needs to be fun. <laughs> 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 I think that's what it is. Like, I think teams are so adverse to drafting goalies number one overall. And I look at this year as like the perfect formula though. Like you have a goalie that is elite among the elite. Like you look at the last three years, we've had Spencer Knight, Yaroslav Askarov and, y- and Jesper Wallstedt. And I think it's gotten better each year. Like on, and, and that's not just to hype up this draft class. Like Jesper Wallstedt's putting up 
legendary numbers in Sweden right now as a, for his age. Um, he's, I think he's the only goaltender to have played as much as he has at, at, during his draft season in the SHL. He's got an outstanding save percentage. He's making saves all over the place. He should have been the goalie for Sweden at the World Juniors in the elimination game. And the fact that they started Hugo Allenfeld over him was the instant they lost that game. And, and I think it was just because Wallstedt is just is a, he's a machine like his mm-hmm. ability to like in a lot of times when you say like oh this player's robotic or this player is a, a he's mechanical in his movements people like to see that as a negative where with with yes with with Jesper Wallstedt just his ability to be in position every single time the puck is shot at the goal is just so impressive and it really is mach- machine like he's able to just push off the post he's up in in ready and in position at the next at the other side of the net he's able to kind of go from the rvh to the vh on the other side of the net with ease like he's so quick at just moving around the net and in he doesn't need the athleticism that we saw so much with the years of askarov last year he has it he just doesn't need it because he's always technically on point with him for a team to draft him first overall I think a team would have to walk up there with some some big cojones and really look at look at everyone and just have that smile and go, maybe maybe we're gonna be the team. And honestly, like it's such know a crapshoot anyways this year. Like yeah, it's it's that's, so good. that's just it. Yeah, the draft isn't great this year. If if I'm looking at this draft and I as a betting man and someone says, hey, who's gonna be the one player that's a franchise player in this draft? I'm 100 putting my money on Jesper Wallstead. Mm-hmm. Like Fabian Lucelle is my guy at number one on my list, but Jesper Wallstead's the guy I put the money on as being a franchise guy because he's going to like, uh, this is lofty expectations and I never like doing this, but Henrik Lundqvist is the guy that I, I think of every single time I look at this kid. Yeah. And when you look at every number of Henrik Lundqvist's career, whether it's goals, goals against average, save percentage, the basic stats like that, or you go to goals saved above average and stuff like that, it just makes him look even better. And yes, for Wallstead reminds me so much of him, just in the way he doesn't need to play out at the top of his crease. He's able to play kind of into that, and he's able to kind of stay kind of reserved and just make the save and, and keep things calm. I'm not, out of any team, I think there's there's two that keep coming to mind every time I look at who could be at the top of the draft and taking yes for Wallset at number one. The first one's the LA Kings, who've had a decent start to the year, and this, I don't know if they're going to have a shot at number one overall now because of the start, but right. the other team is Detroit. I, I think Steve Eiserman is one of Let's the only go. guys that I could see walk up to that podium and just go, I'm smarter than you, and this is why. Yeah. And it's just going to be one of those things, but – if I had to put my money on it for him going number one, I still wouldn't do it, even if Detroit gets the pick. But if there's any team I could see doing it, I could see Detroit doing it. And I know uh, Prashant Iyer, he's, he's going to yell at me if he sees this and he's going to send me a message, <laughs> be really mean or something. But man, like this, this kid really is a standout player. And in this draft class who, like I said, there isn't a number one. He could be that guy. I love that. I'll, so so moving into to other parts of the draft, out of just um... – uh, as Nolan would say, like sheer principle. Do you think that we kind of have to take Eklund just because he's a Swede and we like or Lysel you know or, I mean? or any of those? Right. Like, I, I guess like anyone, the best. Yeah. It's not BPA. It's BSA. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Honestly, it wouldn't be a bad move because this year's <laughs> draft is loaded with Swedes. Like we, I, I was, I was laughing when I got the the graphic sent to us for our, for our, our uh, ranking article, and it had the top 10 players on their list in order and then all other little nationality flags. And I think there's five Swedes in the top 10, yeah. half of the top 10 Swedish. It, it's just a really good year for Swedes and it's not really a good year for any other country. So it's, it's just kind of the thing where if you draft a Swede this year, you're probably going to get a really good player. 
I love that. I, I also, I just think, you know, I'm trying to build a one country powerhouse. Like it's just, it's the Red Wings thing. Like they have a nice little monopoly on that in a way. Like I'm struggling to think of any other examples of it. Uh, but we had the Swedes in 2008. So like, why not bring them back? I was hoping we would like just move on to a different part of the world, go to Germany, get Stutzler last year, you know, and kind of just start racking those up. But I'm cool with running it back with the Swedes as well. Uh, <laughs> the, key, the key to that entire situation is, is I think Moritz Sider is technically an honorary Swede after destroying everyone yes, in the SHL yes. this year. I so, agree with that. I mean, I'm that just works it. out, right? goes right into the, the storyline. Yes. Would you like to take another victory lap on Moritz Sider? Because you, you had him, you had him oh. higher than most in this year. You gotta be like the just, pride. Yeah, you you gotta be the most annoying guy in that Discord chat. On a daily I, I've been so basis. I've been so good on it because I bragged all year last year about it. So th- this year I only bring it up when people let me. But oh boy, do I I grin ear to ear every time Mort Sider comes up. Every little highlight, even like there's even been some pretty like goofy highlights where it's like he hits a guy but like barely, and people are going crazy over it. I'm like, yeah, that's my guy. I, I, I was the reason for this guy. Because, like, man, like, in his draft year, it was really weird because that was the first year I really, really dove in, dove in. Like, I fully committed that year to, to being a draft analyst kind of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. the years prior, I was kind of, like, dipping my toe in the water and I put out evaluations. But I'll be honest, they were pretty garbage. Um, <laughs> but that year was, like, the first year that I really committed. And so many people told me to, to drop him in my rankings. And, and at the end of the year, I had him at 11. And I was really angry because I had him at 7. And I, oh, I, yeah. I got convinced out of it and I was really upset with myself. And then when he went sixth, I was like, oh, and I was like, well, everyone thinks it's stupid. So maybe, I don't know, who knows? And then like three months into his next season, I'm like, yeah, I was right. You're all stupid. Like, <laughs> the thing with him was there the, during his DEL season, like there, there was a report that came out that uh, I'm going to be honest. Most people just didn't read because it was in German. And I use Google Translate to read it. And then I, I kind of emailed around to make sure I was reading properly. And basically what had happened is when he was playing in the DEL, he was a very offensive defenseman coming up. And he was a guy that showed all this, this offensive skill. He's, obviously, we see how good of a skater he is and how good he is with the puck on his stick. So there, the, when he got to the DEL and they were playing against men, he was asked, hey, dude, you're not an offensive defenseman here. You're going to plan the penalty kill. You're going to be a defensive guy. You need to use your size and you need to learn to do it. And more outsider being more outsider was just like, all right, I'll just be sick at that too, I guess. And <laughs> so he was this really stout defensive guy. No one saw the offensive upside. Well, of course, Tony being first year into it and wanting to watch this German kid, I'm like staying up till three in the morning watching him play. And I'm like, if he's on a better team, like that pass makes that pass connects. If he's yeah. on a better team, like that play is going to look way better. Like it's not getting just sent out into space. And, and I just, I got ballsy and I was, I, I quoted it in my little deep dive. I did on that year, the German report. And I was like, there's offensive game here. I know no one thinks there is, but there's offensive game here. And, and I mean, we're seeing it now and I still don't think he's going to be a, a 70, 80 point, 60 point defenseman. Um, but if he's a guy that puts up 50 points, 55 points and plays the stout defense, he does like that's borderline Norris caliber. And, and I, I don't like, I don't want to toot my own horn too much here, but like, I just love seeing it because he was my first guy. Like, yeah, I was talking to a newer scout that someone's getting into the game. Kind of, they're right about at the same stage I was at then. And they were like, I just, I want to find my guy. I want to find my guy. And I'm like, don't rush it. Like, cause he, he kept trying to force himself onto a guy. Yeah. Like, you'll find your guy. I'm like, you'll find your more insider. When you find your more insider, you'll just know you'll commit to it. And it'll look great two years later. And that's kind of where I'm at now bragging about him. 
With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning uh, and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Now listen, chain stores, they got different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. I think that's a bit messed up. Rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So save yourself some money, learn a a new uh, trick or two, and get on over to rockauto.com and start fixing your own cars and saving about 50% on those parts. Uh, when you go to rockauto.com right now, you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. So go do that and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts that your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Get the upper hand in your fantasy hockey league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Collin gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's awesome. Uh, so he goes sixth. The year before that, the Red Wings also picked sixth. They took Phillips Adina. One pick later, Quinn Hughes. We got another Hughes brother in this one. He's probably not going to go first overall. I guess in this a year like this, you can't really make any definitive statements like that. Give me the lowdown on Luke Hughes. I mean, he's bigger than Quinn. Uh, they both said that he's better than than Quinn and Jack. <laughs> like, why why is the conversation not there for him if they both believe that and the size is there? And you know what what is missing from his game to elevate him? I, I think that's two big brothers just being really good big brothers. Like he, he is he's really good. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, he's awesome. But like the way Quinn came out, his offensive tools and, and the skill that he displayed was just unreal. He probably should have gone higher. Um, a lot of the people I know had him third, fourth on their list and stuff like that. So Quinn should have been higher realistically. Um, the the thing with Jack is he's a forward, so it's hard to compare in general, but Jack put up exceptional record-breaking numbers with the national team program. And and that's where, where Luke's playing this year. And Luke's not a bad player by any means. So like, this is the, that's the end of me shitting on him because he's, he's friggin' awesome. Like this kid can skate almost as well as his brothers. Like he's a much bigger kid. Like those two, I think both of them coming out of the draft year was, were about five ten. Quinn Hugh, or Luke Hughes, sorry, is already six foot. Um, a lot of people saying he's pushing six one already. Uh, he's an exceptional skater. He's got skill with the puck. He likes to drive offense. I think the one thing with him is, is he's not quite as cerebral as his brother. I think Quinn Hughes knows when to kind of jump into the rush. And, and mm-hmm. we're seeing some growing pains with that this year in the NHL, but Quinn Hughes in the NHL this year is kind of what we're seeing from Luke Hughes right now with the national team program where there's some flaws, some of his defensive game. You're like, eh, I, I don't know what you're thinking there, but he has improved this year. And that's the one thing I, I always note with, with Luke Hughes is for my money, he's the most improved player from the start of the year to, to now so far this entire draft class. Like he was a guy I had rated in the teens earlier this year. And now he's my top defense on my board. Like I have him at number five on my board. Uh, the, the draft team has him at number five on theirs as well. Luke Hughes is just a really fun talent. And, and the fact that he's like, I think he's four or five days uh, from being eligible for next year's draft class puts him as one of the youngest players in the draft as well. Um, he does everything that every other defenseman in this draft, draft class does, especially at the top end, whether it's it's Owen Power or Luke or uh, Grant Clark or Simon Edvinson. And he does it a little bit more refined. He does it a little bit quicker. He does it a little bit more tactically. 
the defensive area is, a, is an area that all these guys need help with. I think um, the, the fact of the matter is there isn't really a stout top flight defensive this year, defenseman this year, but I think Luke Hughes has the potential because you see the flashes of brilliance. You see the flashes of him being able to use his skating to stay in front of a guy. Um, I, I think Luke Hughes for my money, like I said, he's the most improved player regardless of position from the start of the year to the end of, to, to now. And I wouldn't be shocked if we do kind of see him in that first overall conversation. Cause like I said, he's number five on my board. He's right out of the conversation for me. Like I have those top four guys as, as my real t- top tier. Um, but Luke Hughes is right outside that for me. Cause he, he's so, so good with the puck on his stick and he's improving defensively big time. Uh, I'm going to hijack Scotty real quick, probably to make a little bit of a redundant comment or observation. You made a, you, you mentioned how good the Red Wings scouting department is particularly in Europe. And that's where a lot of the, the top guys who aren't playing in the States are, well, the guys playing in the States are all playing in the state of Michigan too. Like that's, that's, I'm fired up about that. Awesome. It's an advantage. Like the, as much as like a lot of teams are probably gonna go, Oh, it doesn't matter. Detroit's not only scouting Michigan. Yeah. Oh, well, Detroit might be only scouting Michigan yeah. right now because <laughs> they can't get a whole lot else. So outside of video, like they're, they're in Michigan. So uh, I know for a fact that, that some Red Wings scouts have been at NTDP games. I know for a fact they've been at Michigan games. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what these guys end up doing. And, I mean, this this is the draft class that, that kind of plays right into Detroit's hand, right? Like, they've got the three Michigan boys. They've got the, the Swedes, who they're so good at drafting. That that takes up seven of the top ten yeah. that, on our board right now. So, I mean, if you're like, you know what, we're just going to forget about Brant Clark and a couple other guys, and you probably could do it this year, realistically. Yeah, more power so to much, you. Yeah, you got so much talent in that top ten that I don't think you're really going to be missing a whole lot. So to give you more of like a, like an open ended, you just kind of get to have fun a little bit. Who is one person that's let's say out of the top 15 or 20, even that you could see really taking a huge step up or maybe not even they get drafted then, but could make a lot more of an impact at the NHL level that maybe people are sleeping on. I think I'll give, I'm going to give you two guys. And the, the first one is a guy that on my board, he was at 14 and on the team's board. He's at 22. So I am a little bit yeah. higher on him than the team in general. Sure. And, and that's Scott Morrow, the defenseman from Shattuck St. Mary's. And I, I clarify, every time I talk about him, I clarify, I generally hate high school players. Don't draft out of high school. It's a mistake. <laughs> Outside the top 100, do what you want. I don't care. But inside the top 100, avoid high school. It, it just doesn't work out most of the time. You end up with Casey Middlestat, who maybe he develops into something, but he's not going to be worth the, the high pick that they got him. So with saying that, Scott Morrow is legitimately one of the best high school players <laughs> I've ever seen. Like this kid's ability to skate and maneuver the puck. He, he was the best player in high school last year, this year, because of some COVID stuff and there's some extenuating circumstances. He wasn't able to play in the USHL this year. So he stayed with Shattuck St. Mary and he's absolutely dominating the league. He's do- like one of the best players in high school in the entire country. And it's all about his skating, his, his ability to maneuver the ice, his ability to use the puck and, and get it to dangerous areas He's so good at just kind of controlling every aspect of the play. Um, there's sometimes lots of days play happens defensively, especially on the rush where he knows, Hey, I'm better than this guy. Like just straight up. You can tell certain times he knows that and he doesn't really put in the effort sometimes defensively, but he's able to kind of keep up because his skating is so good because he is just on a different level than any other player in high school hockey right now. Um, this kid for me, for my money is the guy that probably has the highest ceiling in the entire draft. I, I've said that a few okay. times and like, it, it's a, it's a risk. If you, it, me putting him at 14 on my board is a crazy, crazy high 
spot. Mm. I don't think I've seen a whole lot of people with him higher. A lot of people have him in the twenties, the 40 area, but this kid, he's got so much talent and it's almost like you're waiting for him to unlock that next step. When he goes to college next year, he's going to uh, university of North Dakota where they're just a defensive factory. factory. Yeah. And the the fact of that, like that does play (laughs) into my, yeah, that does play into my evaluation a little bit because knowing he's going to take that step and knowing he's going to go into that program lets me kind of go, okay, you know what? He's going to get a couple of years where he develops there. And then I don't like Kale McCarr is the comparison he gets a lot because how stylistic they are similarly, especially with their skating, the ability to change direction, stop on a dime and just throw a defense, throw a four checker off with his ability to change direction and everything is, is really, really special. Maybe he doesn't become Kale McCarr, but maybe he becomes 80% of Kale McCarr. And like we look at this year and if Kale McCarr is not injured, he might win the Norris. So it's one of those things where if you're getting a guy that you can pair Scott Morrow with, with, more outside or Philip Ronick in, in that young decor that Detroit's starting to develop, like that could be a really special player. And in a draft like this, like th- this guy could realistically be available at the Detroit second pick and the, like their first pick in the second round. So if you have them there, like Detroit's the perfect team to take an event, take, take a chance and just go, Hey, like we got a couple extra picks this year. Cause we traded so-and-so at the deadline. Like they're going to get another sw- first when they trade stall. Yeah, I mean, and, and Glenn Denning's, <laughs> Denning's going to get at least a first because his face-offs yeah. are so at sick. Least, but, yeah. At least, at um, least. Like, it's going to be one of those things where, like, they have the extra picks probably. Mm-hmm. If this guy's sitting there at 33 or something when they're drafting, at 34, Detroit would be crazy not to take a swing on him because the upside is just so ridiculously high. And he's a high school player. Maybe he does really become nothing, like I, I kind of said right, about every other high school too, player. Yeah. But it it's a risk, I think, like, this kid – worth taking because like i said i hate high school players i i make fun of the fact all the time like every time i get a chance like don't draft at high school but this kid shouldn't be in high school and, and i think that plays <laughs> into my evaluation a little bit as well so um and, and i'll be honest like i talked to him i interviewed him i had him on the podcast and, and we went over some game tape and I, I posted that segment online as well on youtube and listening to him talk about the way he's diagnosing plays and listening to him kind of discuss the game with me. And, and while we're watching tape of his own, his own play from this year, it was really interesting. And I've done that with, I think 14 or 15 different prospects now. And if they're all on YouTube on the Dauber Draftcast YouTube page, but um, he was the one that for me just sold me instantly with the way he was able to kind of diagnose things. Like there was one moment and you can't tell in the video because I was able to kind of just replace the video where I needed to, but, there was one moment where the play paused about five seconds into a 45 second clip and I couldn't, and the video was just buffering and it wouldn't go and wouldn't go. And he goes, don't worry. I know this play. And he, it was from like two months ago and he just went off and told it like perfect in detail. I love that. The ability to, to to like recall the play and diagnose exactly what was happening. Like he knew where the defenders were on that play. And it wasn't even a goal. Like it was just a good defensive breakup that he had in transition. And it's like, that kind of special recollection that that in in combining that with the physical tools that he he clearly has like if you sure. watch him the physical tools are just unreal like that's a special package like i said it's a risk but this kid's really really special um i, I think i said i was going to give you a second name too after i kind of went off about scott morrow for about half an hour there oh hey you got your guy you got yeah like you yeah. said every year you got your guy man yeah i think you got to have a guy every year right and, and he's my, my he's my risky guy but one of the other guys that i think is a little bit safer and he's a little bit higher on my board than a lot of other boards and he's he actually got really high on our draft on our drafting board and that's fedor svechkov uh russian center played in the mhl played in the vhl played a little bit in the khl this year 
this kid's got Anton Lundell level, like defensive play. Like his, he's so, so responsible. He's able to kind of break up every play. He played on a pretty garbage team in Lata Tagliata and, and he was the only one doing things a lot of times. So there were some concerns about his offensive play early in the year, especially, but as he kind of moved up the levels and got with a little bit more competent players, because uh, no player, no, no level of their team organization was really all that great this year, but as you could see him starting to get with the guys, you were like, okay, like there's something here. Like his offensive game is a little bit better. He was playing with deception. Um, he was making some really good passes. His vision's really good. So I think there is some more offensive game there. And, and he's another guy that is probably going to get drafted in the 20 to 30 range that if he falls the second round, like that's a great pickup to just get because he's a really translatable player. Like I don't think anyone's looking at him and going, this is a first or even really second line center. But if he's like one of the better third line centers in the league that can play up against some of the best offensive players in the league and match up, like that's a really valuable player. And I, I'm a big fan of Fedor Shvechkov credit to Dylan Griffin, our, our MHL and Russian scout. Like he, he turned me on to him pretty early in the year and, He's a ton of fun to watch because you you just look at him and you can tell he's just so much smarter than everyone else on the ice. All right. I got uh, two more to wrap this up. The first one being, um, I swore I was going to remember it. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. The first one being, can we expect uh, draft boards this year, I guess from like say the second round or maybe even the first round on to be just more inconsistent from team to team. And how do you think that'll kind of affect uh, maybe the hidden gems that are found? Because I think that's a really fun uh, game that, that is played in the draft. Like, Oh, we don't know if this guy, if, the, if anybody else knows about this guy, we're going to try and get him in this round. Like, I think that's an interesting dynamic that gets thrown into that now. And now with less like, seeing guys at the rank and probably a little chitter chatter every now and then I'm just so curious to know like what the little war games are going to be like in a year like this. Well, I, I think in most years you do see that a little bit, you see like, okay, like the Leafs in Detroit, like they, they opt for more skill guys for the most part. And, and you look at the guy, a team like Boston and, and Anaheim where they like getting the guy with the bigger, the bigger body, at least Anaheim did traditionally the last few years, they've gone heavy skill, but um, it, it's, it's really interesting to see that. And this year, I think it's going to be even bigger. Like it, th there's going to be some, I think once you're beyond about 25, like this draft just opens up, like there is 50 <laughs> guys that could go in the next 10 picks. Like it's going to be ridiculous. And like, there's, there's a couple of players on my board and a couple of players on the team's board where um, when I released my board a few weeks ago on, on Dauber prospects, it, it was, it was really interesting because I got messages from a couple of different scouts on a couple of different teams. And they're like, how'd you even see this guy? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like I had one scout straight up just go, why why did you even tell people about him <laughs> why? Like I, I that's like gotta him. make you feel so dope though yeah. right like, oh, that's gotta no, get like, you yeah. as soon as i got those dms i was like yeah i'm pretty freaking awesome i'm pretty like, cool I'm, yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty great <laughs> but you probably like, wouldn't get it even if i told you yeah, yeah. exactly right like ugh, i just don't even understand like, i'm just so niche um like yeah, this is my uh, this is my craft be a craft player. He's right. yeah, right? super awesome. You don't just know watch, about like him, yeah, like it's just the the skills are like so defined, like yeah. subtly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, uh, just yeah. I, I made a joke the other day where I described a player as a craft beer, and they were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, yeah, I I do. "This is dumb stuff I do." Uh, but no, like funny. it really is. It's it's interesting to see. Like there there's gonna be a lot of, of variety in this draft class. I think. I, I, even in the top 10, like I won't be shocked if we're getting two or three surprises in the top 10 where like we have our pretty defined top 12 players and 
Um, we think there's a gap after that, but I won't be shocked to see a guy like Cole Sillinger or, or Stanislav Fazo. Like these are guys that I know NHL teams are high on. So it's going to be interesting to see them kind of pop up. And like, I won't, like, I won't be shocked if one of those guys go in the top five or six picks even because this draft is so ridiculously opened up. And I mean, we saw a guy like Jack Quinn go, what was it? Seventh overall to, to Buffalo last year when, when Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti were still both on the board. And it's going to be interesting because I think we're going to get a couple of those picks next year where everyone's like, whoa, what the hell just <laughs> happened? Like, it's going to be really interesting. Every time I hear Jack Quinn's name, I think he's a Hughes brother. It's a really like bad. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's dude. It makes me sick. Um, <laughs> there was a, there's a period of time that I would not like to admit how long where I was like in my brain. Every time I read it, I was like Hughes brother. Uh, anyways, <laughs> last last question before we wrap this up. Can you like I know you said you just started like really digging into the draft a couple years ago. But just like in studying or from what you remember in general, like when's the last time that there was a draft that was this open, not only at the top, but from the second round on? Well, I'll be honest. Like I, I've always been a draft nerd. Like the draft has always been my thing. And like I, every year, like from I remember being like eight or nine years old when they first, like when they first really started televising the draft and stuff. And I was, I was like all giddy. And I'm like, oh yeah, this guy that Toronto's picking, he's gonna be sick. And then he'd be complete garbage. So I'm <laughs> sure. um, like, that's just life of being a Toronto fan as a child. And brutal. Um, but no, it, it's one of those things where like I, I love the draft. From, from the time I was a little kid to now. And, and the draft that I look back on that's going to kind of compare to this year is a lot of people say 2017, but like, I, I don't think that's fair because like Cam McCarr came out of that draft, Miro Heiskanen, like there was a lot of like legitimately high-end players that although they weren't ranked at the top of the board, like people could see them doing something. Like the projection for the top guys were a lot higher that year. The draft that I look at this year and kind of compare it to is the 2012 draft where we look at it and you go, okay, is Morgan Riley the best player maybe? Like, are, are we getting like, Hampus Lindholm like it's not necessarily a draft where you're looking at and you're like okay this is like we're getting a number one guy like so I, I think there's going to be a lot of really good oh, pieces whoa, whoa. to I come need you was draft. that the Nail Yakupov draft yes it, oh. I just ignored Nail Yakupov because <laughs> that was just we did, uh, a, we did a coldest NHL takes uh, episode last week and I was like Nail Yakupov hands down number one just the funniest guy like I was like I was like 15 years old back in 2012 so i was just like i just thought he was hilarious i loved the the parentheses <laughs> as exclamation points i was so wrapped up in just the energy of him i th- <laughs> i thought for sure he was Man, the guy every, everyone <laughs> thought he was going to be at least a really good goal scorer like everyone thought he was going to come into the league and just it, at worst be like a 25 25 guy yeah and he just wasn't like it just kind of didn't work out because he didn't really have the brain to to make it work out like that's that was the one flaw in his game and and that was a flaw that never really got fixed and he's playing the khl now and you look at him and like i've seen him play a few times over there because i'm watching other prospects and stuff and i'm like yeah he's still nail yakupov like this is still the same guy like it hasn't changed the talent's undeniable like he's got the skill he's got the talent like and that's just it with this draft class. Like there's a couple guys like him. Like you look at Ken Johnson and like there's a chance that Ken Johnson becomes Neil Yakupov. Like he goes first overall, mm-hmm. he's rushing the NHL and then he doesn't get the time to develop the processing side of his game. So it's going to be really interesting. Like and I, I use Ken Johnson, Owen Powers in that same boat. I think Brent Clark could be in that same boat. Like there's a few guys that could all be in that same boat. And it, it's just the draft class. I think like, a lot of people are like, oh, it's because of the COVID year. And I'm like, mm, no, if you pay attention to this draft class. Yeah. We all kind of knew this was going to be a, a bit of muddy, muddy mess kind of coming in the year. So uh, it's a tough year because, uh, yeah, like 
that 2012 draft wasn't the greatest thing at the end of the day. And <laughs> this year's draft class, like, like I said, you're going to get a lot of pieces. I don't think you're going to get the, the guy that's going to win you the cup, but I think you're going to get a lot of the auxiliary pieces that are going to help you get there. All right, Tony Ferrari, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it, getting the chance to talk to you. You can follow him on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. Obviously, read his stuff and his team stuff at DauberProspects.com. But you mentioned that you had a YouTube channel, and I didn't know about that. So I'm going to give you the floor to kind of just, you know, pump uh, pump whatever else you guys got because it's all fantastic stuff. And if you're in charge, I'm sure that it's uh, being managed very well. Yeah, the YouTube channel, it's the Dauber Draftcast YouTube channel. You can just search Dauber Draftcast and it comes right up. D-O-B-B-E-R and then Draftcast, like a podcast. Um, that's where I, I post all the uh, podcasts as, uh, as videos as well. But the other thing I post on there is these game tape with Tony videos where I interview a player. And, and the main part of the interview is included in the podcast. Usually you get about 15 minutes of it there where I'm just talking to the players, kind of shooting the shit and, and kind of discussing their season and stuff. But the second half of the interview... Uh, and I put the first half in there with it. I, I posted a separate video where I end up bringing game tape from the season up on, on the screen. And we kind of break down the plays together and we kind of go through things. And I, I was kind of inspired by the NFL draft because you see so many times where you're looking at NFL network and they're breaking down plays with Lamar Jackson before the draft, they're breaking down plays with Deshaun Watson. And they're saying, okay, what were you seeing on this play? And then they let that guy kind of describe it and talk about it while the play is going on, on the screen, you get to see what the, what's happening. And, and that's what I did with guys like Scott Morrow. I've, I've had, uh, Scott Morrow, Brant Clark, Fabian Lucell, Willie Meckland. Um, I'm lining up a few of the other top end picks as well. Like uh, Carson Lambos is on there. Like I've got a bunch of different guys on there and in listening to them describe the plays that they're making, listening to them describe what they're thinking on the ice. And, and I've had a, a couple goalies on there now. And, and uh, when the goal goes in, that's a, it's an awkward video to talk about. But it, <laughs> it, it's a fun one because like getting their, getting their take on what happened on that play or getting the, getting a player's take on, when he gives up a, a beautiful pass right to the opposition for a shot in the slot that ends up in the back of the net and going, Hey, what were you thinking on this play, man? And him <laughs> having to answer it basically. Right. Like it's, it's really interesting to kind of put these guys in spots and see them kind of figure their way out of it and talk about what they were thinking on that play. And honestly, that's been my favorite thing out of everything I've done this year, the podcast aside and everything. So um, definitely check out those game tape videos. The most recent one was with William Eklund who, like you guys said, he's got a chance to be in Detroit. He's got a chance to go first overall. And I think William Mecklen would be an awesome fit in Detroit. And if you want to see his game, uh, there's two overtime winners in the game tape segment. So uh, awesome. he's a fun player to watch. We have to, uh, you got to get like John Gruden it up a little bit, get some, get some, you know, yeah. catchphrases, a couple plays that like you really, <laughs> really like for no reason in, in yeah. specific. We'll, oh, we'll there's do that. a couple. We'll, we'll be there here. is a couple. Can you give us one of them that you like to throw out? What's your spider Y2 banana? Oh man, I don't know. Like my favorite thing though is is when a defenseman goes back on the forecheck, and and I'm like, what are you thinking here? It's like there's just a huge behemoth <laughs> on his back or something like that, and he's like, lots of I'm just thinking, just don't die. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Like some of these kids are super candid. Like that's part of the reason I love doing it with the junior kids because yeah. a lot of times, like I, I've talked to a couple kids where I'm like this kid's already got the NHL beat into him. And, and you look and you're like, oh yeah, his dad's a coach. His, his mom's a skating coach or his dad's a scout. Like, and mm -hmm. you're like, okay, like no wonder his answers were very candid. And then you get a guy like Scott Morrow and you're like, oh, so how much do you pay attention to the draft rankings? And he's just basically goes, yeah, I don't pay attention that much because anytime I'm not number one, I'm pretty pissed off. And like, this is a U.S. high school <laughs> kid talking like that. Yeah. Like, 
having a kid come out candidly like that. And like Brant Clark was really awesome for that too. Fabian Lucelle and William Eklund as well. They were awesome with just being honest. Like they, like I asked William Eklund, like the first play was, uh, the first play I showed him was the overtime winner from the day before. So he just scored that. Like, this is literally what he's coming off of. And I just put the play up and all of a sudden you hear him just go, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like he knew what was coming. Like, he, like it was awesome. Like, it's a fun, fun segment because finding what's going through their mind is, is what I've loved this year. That's awesome. Absolutely. Go check that out. Uh, I'm probably going to binge it all tonight. So by the time, you know, we, we come back at the podcast here, I will have already seen them all. Tony, thank you so much, man. Go follow him at the Tony Ferrari. Go look, watch his stuff on YouTube and at DauberProspects.com. And uh, we'll see you next time. I'll definitely be back. <laughs>